I'm just going to speak my heart. How many of your sins are forgiven? Yell it out. Yell it out. Oh, okay, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? Okay, are your past sins forgiven? Okay, what about your present sins? Now, what about your future sins? Then why do you still ask for forgiveness? Why do you still ask for forgiveness? Is there some of us here who don't raise your hand? You still ask for forgiveness all the time? Let me tell you what that would look like, okay? If I was married, God would like, oh yeah. Okay, if I was married, <laughs> and I look to my wife, and I look to my wife and say, Honey, will you marry me? Will you marry me? Will you marry me? You know, my wife will say, Honey, we're already married. Yes. <laughs> now think about that. Here's people crying out at, the, at these gatherings, revival gatherings. God, forgive us, forgive us, forgive us, Lord. And God is saying, I already forgave you. Now, how do I know your future sins are forgiven? Because 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus Christ died for you. None of us were even born. It was all future. I'm telling you folks, I'm, you know, it's funny because in the Philippines, there's a rumor about me. Every time I meet people, hey, you're the guy that tells people not to ask for forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because I'm telling you, this is, you know how foundational that is to know that when you understand that all of your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, those who have been forgiven much will love much. That's why it even says in 2 Peter chapter 1 that it talks about these virtues that God desires of us, desires of, of, of being faithful and self-control and goodness and all these virtues that we all want, right? And someone will say, oh, we need to do spiritual disciplines. We need to read our Bible and pray a lot in order to get there. But what does the Bible say? Those people who do not have those virtues have forgotten how much they've been forgiven. You guys think of the worst thing that you've ever done. Don't yell it out. <laughs> think of the worst thing that you've ever done that brings a lot of shame, that brings a lot of guilt, that, that you haven't even told maybe even your spouse because you're so embarrassed. But imagine that sin that you've done is washed away. As far as the east is from the west, I'll remember your sins no more. And that's why people come to Jesus Christ. Because of his love. Did you know that Jesus attracted all of the, the, the bad people? <laughs> it was the self-righteous people that didn't like him. But Jesus attracted the prostitutes, the tax collectors, people. They even accused Jesus of being a drunkard because he hung out with them. Because they knew what it meant to be forgiven. And it was those self-righteous people that didn't get it. People say, I do this, I do that, I follow the law. And God says, it's not about that. He says, do you know my heart? He wants your heart. Don't worry about those moments when you're like, ah, oh, you're not, you're all hyped up and pumped up. God cares about those little moments when you have this revelation that God loves me. God loves me. Someone can mention, okay, Matthew chapter 6. That's a, the famous Lord's Prayer. It says, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us of our sins as we also forgive those who have sinned against us. You guys know that? Right? So someone can say, well, Josh, there it says in the Bible, ask God for forgiveness. What if I were to tell you that not all that prayer is meant for you? You guys, Jesus said that prayer as a prophet under the old covenant still. He didn't die yet. He didn't finish it, the work yet. Right? And that's why when you think about the Lord's Prayer, forgive us of our sins, as we also forgive those who have sinned against us, then right underneath that, a couple of verses down, it says, 
If you do not forgive your brother your sins, neither will I forgive you. So now notice how that just contradicted everybody's statement that yelled out, all of your sins are forgiven. Okay, so some of you guys say, all of our sins are forgiven. But yet Jesus is saying in that verse, that if you do not forgive your brother your sins, neither will I forgive you. So I guess if some of you guys are pretty angry with your brothers or sisters right now, then you are not actually all forgiven. <laughs> are you guys getting it? So this is pre-cross. This is pre-death. This is during the old covenant. Now let me break it down for you very simply. But that when you look in the new covenant, after Jesus after died. Jesus died. After Jesus died. You look at Colossians chapter 2, 13 and 3, 13. It's easy to remember. Okay, so I'll, I'll show you a parallel a comparison. Before the cross, ask God for forgiveness according to the Lord's prayer. And it says, if you do not forgive your brother your sins, neither will I forgive you. After the cross, Colossians 2, 13 says, all of your sins are forgiven. Colossians chapter 3, 13 says, and forgive as you have been forgiven. You know, there's not one verse in the New Testament after Jesus died where it tells you to ask God for forgiveness. And here I was in high school all the time with my non-Christian friends. I'm like, forgive me, Lord. When I sin, forgive me, Lord. And I sin again, oh, forgive me, Lord. Oh, there's a dirty thought, forgive me, Lord. And I'm beating myself up and it's like I'm getting so paranoid. Why? Because I was taught in the church that you have to keep confessing your sins or else you won't be right with God. Now think about this. When I was taught growing up, especially in like some charismatic circles too, it's like this, okay, when you sin, God's presence is removed from you. I've heard that. Or when you sin, God won't hear any of your prayers. Or when you sin, you won't hear God. Isn't that kind of interesting that when Adam sinned, he still heard God? <laughs> and isn't that kind of interesting that if you sin and you cannot hear God, how in the world do you come back to Him? <laughs> you can't hear anything. But that's why even when you sin, He still draws you to Himself. You know, how, you know how I know that God will never take his hand off of you? As I've heard some preachers say, Don't sin, because if you fall into that sin, God will remove his hand from you. Folks, that's Old Covenant. That's Old Testament. Where the Spirit of God was, over, was in people, right? But then it would co even come out of people. It would leave people. God will remove his hand from people. That's Old Testament. But in the New Testament, how do I know that God will never do that to you? Because the Bible says you are now sealed with the Holy Spirit. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And did you know how, how in the world can God leave you when He's inside of you now? Oh, God's mad at me. His presence is gone. He's inside of you for goodness sake. This building is not the church. You and I are the church. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. And so there's these weird, like I said, last week, theology. Just, all this stuff that creates so much fear in believers' minds. You guys, this is the good news. That it's all about Jesus Christ. So when I think about confession of sins, I don't confess my sins to get right with God. I confess my sins because I'm already right with God. And what does confession mean? It's very different than asking for forgiveness. Because I remember some people would try to argue with me, say, Josh, well, you know, I still say sorry. Well, that's not asking for forgiveness. That's just confession. And confession in the Greek just means agreement. So when I sin now, I could say, you know, Papa, I messed up. But Lord, I thank you. And I'm already forgiven. Which response do you think would help believers? Let's just say you mess up tonight. You fail. And I go to you and I say, you know what? You better repent. You better repent or God's going to judge you. And God will not bless you. You know what will happen? You'll probably try to change because of fear. But what if I were to tell you and say, you know what, my brother? You know, my sister? Your sins were paid for by Jesus. He still loves you the same. But someone could also mention 1 John 1, 9. Hey, you guys know that verse? It says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. 
Are you guys familiar with that? But did you know that's not meant for you too? Remember, when, when these people were writing these books, these letters, they were writing it to specific groups of people. And 1 John was written to non-believers. When you look at that part in chapter 1, notice when you go home, just look at the first chapter, it says, This we have heard, this we have seen, this we have touched. We are now proclaiming to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. This is the context of 1 John 1, 9, where you confess your sins, and He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now notice that. Does that sound like it's being written to believers? This we have seen, this we have heard, this we have touched. We are now proclaiming to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. So why would John say that? Why? Because there was a group in the New Testament called the early Gnostics. And the early Gnostics were people that denied the physicality of Jesus Christ. They didn't believe in the physical resurrection. So that's why he's saying, this we have seen, this we have touched, this we have heard, we are now proclaiming to you. And then he also says, you know, if any of you say that you are without sin, you deceive yourselves and you're liars. You know why he said that? Because the early Gnostics also believed, denied the reality of sin. That's why they were nailing two things. The physicality of Jesus Christ and the reality of sin because the early Gnostics denied both of those. So that's in the first chapter of 1 John. Now notice chapter 2. It's a different tone. But it says, my little children. But my little children, I write this to you. And even when you sin, Jesus comes to your defense. And I believe that and we constantly ask God for forgiveness, I believe. It's like an insult. Because you're saying that his death was not enough. He was beaten and broken for you and for me. That's how much Jesus loves you. Was it not enough? Was it not enough? Was it not enough?